This is the Cognitive History Podcast, where we explain historical events in order to understand their importance. The less heard of, the better. Without further ado, let's get into exploring the obscure. Okay, everyone, welcome back. Um, sorry if we're a little giggles at the start of this. Um, it's not the topic, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as always, is my co-host, Logan. Hi. Uh, so, uh, the the reason we're laughing a bit is because um, this is the third time we've recorded the intro for this because our audio files on the website we record the show on uh for some reason are glitching out really bad and so like they're slowing down and then suddenly speeding up on on the recording end of things like if like when we're when i'm actually listening to the files the sound is fine it's just when we're you know in the studio of sorts um the recording of it sounds weird. I I can't explain it. At any rate, Logan, how have you been in the two weeks since our last episode? Pretty good, pretty good. Yep, um... Nothing's really happened. Oh, I suppose that's better than a lot of bad things happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... How about you, man? I have been iffy. Um, Have a good vacation? Yeah, yeah. It was um, very well-timed, because right before the vacation, um, Logan, you know, um, found out one of our friends passed away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, it's... I'm not going to get into it, but it, it is unfortunate. And um, the horribly tragic death of uh, somewhat of a co-worker of mine. Oh, yes. Um, and that's a warning to everyone. Please pay attention in uh, work zones when people are on the road. And everyone, uh, since Logan, since you gave that shout out, I'll do one for me as well. Of course. Um. Everyone, please, like, I don't know how to say this. Don't do dangerous drugs there. Yeah. If, and if you... you're struggling with them, please reach out to someone. Yeah, please reach out to someone, like, and, like, don't let a moment of weakness from addiction, because the thing is, addiction is lifelong. It's always going to be a battle you're struggling with. Don't let a moment of weakness uh become your final moments because you were afraid to contact someone who could actually help you. Yeah. There's always someone that can help. Yes. But that that aside, 
I had a decent vacation. Um, met with the uh, met with the rest of the wife's family. Had a good nice. time. Good. Yeah. So, L- Logan, you know, because we talked for a bit, as we always do before we started recording. I don't know how to introduce this topic. Um, there, there's not really an easy way to do it. I mean, we said we weren't going to be the podcast of genocides, and here we are. Yeah. Um, so, for the audience, I know our usual recipe is to do my topic. Um, then we do the discussion episode, and then we do Logan's topic. But Logan had the idea that it would probably be best for us to get a bit away from Christianity for a bit, considering we covered it for about two months. And we really tried. <laughs> yeah, but so... Being that this is Western history, there's no good way of getting completely away from it. Yeah. Uh, so Logan wanted to do the Crusades for his next topic, so that's why we went ahead and decided to go with my next topic, which, as I announced in the last episode, is the Armenian Genocide. There we go. That's the introduction. Yep, yep. You've probably so, heard of it, even if your government doesn't recognize it. Yeah, there's only about 31 countries in the world that recognize it, even in some part. Um, the United States doesn't officially recognize it, although President nope. Joe Biden did publicly address it as the Armenian Genocide, to which the Turkish government is not happy. We'll get into the denial later on. Um, also, fun fact, um, 49 states recognize that it was a genocide. Who's the holdout? Uh, Logan, do you want to guess? Like, you know, I, historically speaking, one of the most problematic states Being that I'm from Georgia, I want to say Alabama, but I'm going to go with Mississippi. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Miss- Mississippi's the holdout. Okay, so we'll give them 200 years. They'll finally ratify that it actually happened and, you know, end it like they did slavery. I mean, that is a great callback, but um, yeah, maybe in... in, in <laughs> uh, well, so it's been 100 years, so maybe in another 100 they'll recognize that was a genocide. Maybe, maybe. We love you, Mississippi. I mean, you know, you are the poorest state in the Union, but... We, we don't you. blame our listeners in Mississippi. No, 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 no. actions of the state government Even of Mississippi. Even them in office. It's not entirely your fault. It's not. But, um... So yeah, Logan, what do you know about Armenia itself? Well, um, usually the people from Armenia have names that end with Izian or Ashian. Like uh, yeah. Lando Calrissian, that, that's a generic Armenian name. Lando Calrissian. Yeah. I know that System of a Down is from there. Yeah. Uh, well, and it, it's, uh, it's ancestrally um, speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. They're, they're Armenian Americans. I know that a couple of them, at least, have visited Armenia. Yeah. Um, 
Because, and, like I said before, Anthony Bourdain did an episode where he went to Armenia, and uh, they have some cool-looking food. Yeah, I've watched a lot of uh, documentaries and videos on this, in addition to the source that I'm reading. And mm-hmm. architecturally speaking, it's a lovely area. Oh, yeah. Um, as And the, the food and the cafes that I've seen in these documentaries people eating and also looks pretty nice it does so um a quick quick aside we're not going to be getting into the main topic today that's why it's called setting the stage yeah because this episode is all the base background information for everything that's going to happen um it's not even the full it's not going to be the full background either as is our style i mean if you've watched christianity in japan or listened to christianity in japan you know that the first episode of that was really just building up to what happened yeah Yeah. that that is how we do that's how we do so yeah armenia is an area in western asia because in spite of its proximity to europe it is considered an asian country would it be part of the near east yes or middle east uh i would say near east because the area that it comes closest to europe with as far as like touching europe Mm. is um russia and the Mm. area of russia where it um is nearest to is i think still part of europe so yeah i would i would say near east even though one of the other countries it's touching is iran which is the middle east i don't Mm. know geographic regions of asia are difficult to define should we get into what constitutes being south or southeast asia because that's also (laughs) that's a topic for another japan episode it's not even japan though anyway okay now i'm curious well let's i i would agree let's get into it in a different episode but geographic regions of asia aside i think it's the near east (laughs) um so the history of armenia goes back into bce um yeah a long long history um it's in the Caucasus Mountains, so it's very rich in minerals. And one of the reasons, historically speaking, the region that we now know as Armenia was important was because it had a lot of metal ore deposits, which could mm. be used to create bronze. Ooh. Yes. And um, also, I'm, I'm jumping ahead but mm-hmm. back at the same time. Something I should have mentioned. The country that we know of as Armenia today has only existed since 1991 hmm. with the disillusionment of uh, the Soviet Union. Disillusionment? Destruction. Dissolving. That's that. There we go. That's the word I was going for. Uh, so... Yeah, the area was conquered by several empires 
at, but the people that we know of today as Armenians always manage to retain some level of independence mm. uh, or autonomy within uh, those empires. A rare thing, considering the empires we're talking about. Well, not entirely rare. I mean... I mean, Persians basically let people do what they wanted to, but... Yeah. Byzantines? Yeah. Ottomans? But, um... It, it was first called Armenia during the Persian Achaemenid Empire, somewhere in 550 BCE and 330 BCE. Hmm. And within that, or well, not within that, a while down the road, the next important note is that uh, Armenia was the first empire to adopt Christianity in 331 AD. So just barely beating out the Roman Empire with Constantine. And Christianity was introduced to the Armenian area in 40 AD, or around, about. Hmm. Pretty early on. Very early. I mean, but not all Jesus that's... was 33 AD, so it was like seven years later. Yeah, so, I mean, not all that surprising when you consider proximity to the region. Um, no, not, not at all. But it is notable that it was before the um, revolt in 70 AD that ended with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Yeah. So, I mean, very, very early Christianity. Yeah. Um, so, Armenia was always kind of fought over it because of the mineral deposits in the area. And eventually... The oil wars before oil. Yeah, it was the Bronze Wars. <laughs> but um, even after bronze stopped being important, somehow it was still the... Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But eventually it was conquered and split between Rome and Sassanid Persia. Mm. But it became its own empire again in 884. Hmm. Eventually it was split between the Ottoman Empire and Safavid Iran. Mm. And that's where we can start getting more into the detail with history. Um, notable to say real quick, Iran is can be considered now what is left of what used to be Persia. Yeah. Most of Iranian culture, their language is in fact not Arabian, if you didn't know that. Or Arabic. It's early. Anyway, who yeah. they were once captured by was Persian. Now that's Iran. Moving they on. also have their own unique religion with they Zoroastrianism do. that they yes. don't really like that much now. But uh, a topic for a different episode. Yeah, and if you're wondering who uh, famous Zoroastrian is, Freddie Mercury. Yep, that is true. Yeah, there you go little snippets of history so 
under Armenian or sorry, under Ottoman rule, Armenians and it's not just Armenians. I'm going to say Armenians and it's going to be covering the plight of a lot of other people too. Hmm. It's just, we're focusing on the Armenians for today's episode. So yeah. So they're basically treated as second class citizens. Um, Particularly speaking, they had to face heavy taxes and in several cases, Islamic conversions were rather commonplace. Mm. It's kind of like, so I can't remember which episode it was in, but it was in an earlier episode. I mentioned the fact that um, Jews in Europe were not allowed to hold specific jobs Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And that's why you had Jews being portrayed as bankers and lawyers and all that. Yeah. It's kind of like that you have free practice of your religion, but uh, there's a lot of stuff you can't do. And there's a lot of penalties that you're going to face for practicing that religion. And Mm -hmm. the same thing happened with Jews in the various other empires in the middle east that allowed jews to do what they wanted to do with practicing their religion but you know they weren't allowed to do a lot of things right like you can exist but all of these caveats and a similar thing happened to catholics in america that's why we have all of the irish stereotypes the italian stereotypes all yeah, stems from persecution of Catholics when they first came over. Yeah, um, all of these things do come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for a long time, the Armenians just kind of deal with it to some degree. Um, they did petition for more equitable treatment from time to time. Specifically speaking, uh, it, it didn't really amount to anything. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. But eventually in the Ottoman Empire. So we're jumping a long way. Because the last date I mentioned was 884, right? And the Ottomans took over in the 1500s? I believe it was closer to the 1200s. Was it? May have been, yeah. Somewhere between 12 and 1500, Ottomans took over from the Byzantines. But, uh, yeah, so in the 1800s, Mm-hmm. you had a movement in the Ottoman Empire called the Tanzimat movement. And what this movement was about was seeking social reform and more equitable treatment for non-Muslim minorities. And there were two major things that passed with it in the dates of 1839 and 1856, And both of those basically did 
did with the movement was about, hey, more equitable treatment, but ultimately really didn't amount to that much. But the fact that this these things existed encouraged Armenians. And between mm. 1850 and 1870, the Armenian patriarch sent 537 notes to the office of the Grand Vizier requesting and pleading for protection from daily abuses and violence against Armenians. Wow. Yeah, it's uh it's a lot. Mhm. And I do have to apologize we are going to be jumping around a lot in this yeah. episode. A lot of history to cover, little time. Yeah. So, the Russian Empire also controlled a portion of the Armenian region. And Russia and the Ottoman Turks didn't really get along that well. No, I suspect they wouldn't. Well, and you can kind of see it with the number of wars they had, um, which is four. Wow. Uh, yeah, eight, 1806 to 1812, 1928 to nine, or sorry, 1828. There I go, missing dates again. <laughs> uh, to 1829, 1853 to 1856. Wow. And 1877 to 1878. Sounds like they took a break to watch the American Civil War. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. the uh, the two most important. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the two most important ones there are. 1853 to 1856 and 1877 to 1878. Mm. So, uh, primarily, all of these wars were about control of strategic lands, but the Russians also did tend to care a bit about the plight of the Armenians. Mm -hmm. And It's this thing that's lovely, and uh, Logan, stop me if it sounds a little familiar, but it's this thing that historians have called the Armenian question. Yeah, that, that does sound somewhat familiar. Yeah, it, it like, like yeah. sounds familiar, but earlier than the thing that it sounds familiar to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're we're talking about the um, the Jewish question, yeah. yeah. Uh, for for audience members who can't really pick up on it, yep. Um, well, this is where you learn. Yeah. But so the 1856 treaty at the end of that war um, promised equity for Christians to some degree. Um, it prohibited discrimination and mistreatment against them. But it didn't really amount to much. Bunch of empty words. Yeah. So 
yeah, struggles between Russia and Turkey would eventually culminate in the Russo-Turkish War in 1877. So this war was inspired a lot by Eastern European countries who wanted to have some degree more of autonomy. And they were basically inspired by the Greeks who had gained independence in 1832. And now the Balkan states decided they also wanted independence. Mm. So in 1876, Serbia, Montenegro, Bosnia, and Herzegovina were seeking out independence. In 1877, Bulgaria joined in on the revolu- or on the rebellion. Hmm. And that resulted in violent reprisals that claimed the lives of over 15,000 Bulgarians. Uh, these are called the Bulgarian Horrors by the British. That I've heard of. Yeah. it's um, None of this is fun, for the record. No. Uh, like, I... Researching Christianity in Japan was painstaking just because of how broad of a subject it was. This is painstaking because it's like... It's like reading up on another version of what happened in Germany in the 1940s. Yeah. Only earlier. And it hurts a lot more to some degree because this is not talked about, which is something that we'll get into in the next episode. Yeah. But for now... um, Yeah, so it was the Bulgarian horrors, as the British dubbed them, that sparked the Russians into action. And that's right, Russia plays a good guy. It happens every now and then. Every now and then. A broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. And former Vikings stop invading every now and then. Yeah. So... The Russo-Turkish War lasted from April 24th, 1877 to January 1878. I couldn't find a specific date for January, but uh, not very long. Kind of just fizzled. Yeah, Uh, and that's because Russia just kind of stomped into the Ottoman Empire like they owned the place. Nice. And so... They they had a treaty. The Ottoman Empire was just like, no, Russia's really scary. Let's make a treaty. Yeah, it makes sense. So Bosnia and Herzegovina were given autonomous administrations. So not recognized as different countries, but they were allowed to act on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bulgaria was also given autonomy. And Montenegro, Serbia, and Romania were all three given independence. Wow. Pretty successful, then. Yeah. Um, So this was the Treaty of San Stefano, which Mm. totally sounds like the name of, like, a folk singer from the 1980s. Um, 
I'm pretty San sure Stefano. though it translates to Saint Stephen. Yeah. It just the way it sounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so that treaty said that the Russians would leave the Armenian territories after the Armenians were granted some equities promised within the treaty, specifically in Article 16. And the Turks didn't really like that. Uh, They were scared of the Russians, and uh, so they decided that they would entreat the British to help intervene. And the British were just like, yeah, no, we also don't like the Russians. Yep. So, yep. peace terms would now be decided by various European powers at the Berlin Conference in 1878. Mm. And, yeah, no, right, it's it's weird. Berlin. It yeah. Uh, so, Article 16... Maybe, um, before you get into that, I guess that maybe answers my vague question in the back of my head about... Did any of this influence Hitler? Oh, we'll get into that. Yeah, we will get into that. No spoilers. No spoilers. Article 16. I mean, well, okay, I I can take a quick aside. Okay. So, the term genocide didn't come about until well after the main event that we're going to be talking about came about. Mm. Um, Give me a second. I want to look up who coined the term. Uh, So it was coined in 1944 by Raphael Lemkin. And he... 1944. Yeah, so if you note with that date, that's before the Nazis were finished doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he coined the term before he knew everything that the Nazis were doing. Mm. So when he coins the term and like creates the definition of what it means, what he uses as inspiration for okay, here's all the things that are outlined in this term. He was looking at the main event that we're going to be discussing again in the next episode, not in this Mm -hmm. one. So, yeah. It's, um... This is the first genocide. Everything else that... Well, okay, it's the first modern genocide. Every other modern genocide, to some degree, follows this. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a difficult topic to discuss. But it sounds, so, it sounds important, nonetheless. Oh, very much so. Um... But yeah, so back to Article 16. That might have been the shortest aside we've ever had. Oh, yeah. Yep. But yeah, so Article 16 was 
nullified and reversed, ironically, by Article 61 of the Berlin Treaty. Mm. And so it, the return of two Armenian provi- provinces is what it mainly promised. But um, it still called for the evacuation of Russian forces from the area. So there would be no forces to protect the Armenians in that area until such time as equity was given to them. So basically, hey, don't worry, we're going to police ourselves. No one else needs to do it. We're definitely going to give these Armenians some rights. We just don't want anyone here while we're working on giving these Armenians some rights. Mm -hmm. It's empty words. It's more empty words. Don't so, mind curtain number two. Yeah, it's so. I'm gonna bring up a name, and then we'll get actually get into him. Um, Abdul Hamid the second referred to the um, repeated intervention. I guess it's the right word of mm-hmm. European powers wanting more rights for the Armenians and other minorities as quote everlasting persecutions and hospi- or and hostilities of the Christian world end quote Who's Abdul Hamid II the audience said collectively and I said with them So he was the sultan of the Ottoman Empire, starting Ooh. in 1876, so a year before the Ruko or Russo-Turkish War, Ruko-Tushis War, I guess I was going to call it. Um, but yeah, a year before the Russo-Turkish War began, he took power. 1876, um, he had really high contempt for the Armenian people, and it was probably just this repeated want for how dare they want equality. Um, But no, I think the main thing is social reform usually comes at the cost of power from a monarch. Yeah. So I would imagine if I were a monarch and I had absolute power, I wouldn't Magna Carta coming in. Yeah, no. No one wants their power limited when their power is absolute. No. So, it might not necessarily be that he had contempt specifically for the Armenian people, but they the Armenians were the ones... Problems. Yeah, they, they were mainly the ones who were trying for social reform. So, they kind of despite trying to make their lives better, painted a target on their backs. Yep. Unfortunately. Very unfortunate. So he also, he also, um, so he was not mentally stable 
Uh, I have this later on in my notes, but my notes are kind of disorganized because my source is also a little disorganized. So he censored a lot of things, including references to or mentions of Armenia. Uh, he banned any book referencing Armenia from entering the country. Uh, there was one person who, um, he was an Armenian scholar and he was trying to get into the Ottoman Empire. He was stopped and they inspected his books. They jailed him because he had a dictionary with the words liberty and revolution in it. Obviously a violent extremist. Oh, yes, obviously. Um, they also began cutting maps out of his Bible because the maps in it had, guess what, Armenia mentioned. Yeah, so, like... Oh, how dare he? He also banned any reference of regicide. And... So, as examples, Empress Elizabeth of Austria was said to have died of pneumonia. Uh, William McKinley died because of anthrax. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> okay, this is... So, it wasn't just Armenia that he banned reference to. It was any other Anatolian region. But um, the weirdest thing he banned was, um, so he ordered his censors to expunge all references to H2O from science textbooks because he feared that the symbol would be read as meaning, quote, Hamid II is nothing, end quote. Okay, you know you're going too far when you've got a problem with water. Yeah. It's, um... Obviously, the man is not mentally stable. Not at all. There's nothing stable about this guy. Yeah. So... He... God, I don't even know where to go after that. <laughs> okay. So in, in 1878, after the Berlin Treaty was signed, mm. he felt emboldened by it, and he sent a lot of Muslim refugees. God, I cannot talk today. Um, Me either. It's fine. So he sent a lot of Muslim refugees into eastern Anatolia, which is where Armenians typically were. Mm-hmm. And that increased violence against Armenians because he also sanctioned murder, looting, and pillaging. What a great man. Yep. Yeah, I can see it all coming together now. Yeah. And uh, in, in a tiny bit of foreshadowing here, uh, by 1890, he had created this group called the Hamidiye. Which literally means belonging to Hamid. Mm -hmm. 
We'll get back to them in a second. I want to now go over exactly how bad the treatment for Armenians was. So I mentioned earlier they were treated as second-class citizens, right? Yeah. But so why was this Armenian question such a big deal for other countries? Why did the Russians care how people in a different country were treated? Um, considering the fact that, you know, humanitarian efforts at the time weren't quite like they were today or weren't quite like they are today. No, not not even remotely. So, yeah, let's let's go into um, the plate. Yeah. So. You know how that Armenian question thing sounded familiar? Um, Mm -hmm. This is also going to sound familiar. Oh no! Starting out, uh, they weren't allowed to own weapons. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, al- already hitting heavy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a law that Armenians had to provide quarter for Turks and Kurds in the winter. American so Revolution. Basically, yeah, basically no private property. At, at least for a good three months out of the year, no. Yeah. Uh, there is also another one where um, they had to house Turkish people for three days out of the year. Mm. So if you're a Turkish official and you're, say, traveling throughout your country and you want to have a place to stay, stop an Armenian household. They legally have to give you quarter yeah. for three days. Um, so they were exempt from military service. Great. You might say it was later converted into a tax. Mm. So like, yeah, you can't join the military, but we're going to tax you for that exemption status. Uh, there's also the fact that that locks them out of being part of the warrior class, which steals them of a lot of power innately. Yep. Yep. Um, in spite so of that so, so basically we're removing all of your power and authority and you're gonna pay us for it oh no 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 they had some authority don't worry we'll get into that in just a second okay um so weirdly they're not allowed to join the military right yeah uh but they the turks would kidnap boys and forcibly convert them to Islam, and then conscript them into military service. Seems a little counterintuitive, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, so, the Ottoman Turks had this really convoluted system mm-hmm. where if you weren't muslim if you weren't a turk you were still able to keep your religious and ethnic identity but it came with those caveats and um so everyone was divided into a little enclave i guess you could call it called a millet 
And within that millet, so specifically speaking for Armenians, although this also goes for Assyrians to a lesser degree, Kurds, because Kurds are kind of like 1.5 class citizens, mm. uh, Greeks, what have you. But um, within those millets, your community is allowed to practice uh, judiciary practices. Words are escaping me right now. You're allowed to, yeah, you're allowed your own self-governance. So say you have an Armenian in an Armenian millet. Mm-hmm. they are accosted by a Turk. So within that millet, you have a court system. And the Armenian has full legal rights. But say that Turk now wants to say, no, nah, don't like this whole Armenian justice system. Let's go over into the real justice system of the Ottoman Empire run by Muslims who mm-hmm. don't like the Armenians. Um, basically, all the Turk has to do is swear on the Quran and he's golden. It's legal it's representation fun. was the furthest thing from equal. Yeah. That's messed up. Yeah. Uh, but wait, there's more. I was afraid you'd say that. Yeah. Um, so the Ottoman Empire had these governors called Vali. And they could basically impose their own rules on the territory over which they presided. Okay. So this introduced a lot of inconsistency to the governance as well. So Armenians in one province might have it, you know, somewhat decent. Armenians in the next province over have it very harsh. Um, There's one province, uh, Afyon Karahisar. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. I don't know. Um, but in, in this province, Armenians could only speak their native tongue if they wanted to live under threat of having their tongue cut off. Well, that's brutal. so. Yeah, so you have entire generations of Armenians not learning how to speak Armenian. They're only learning how to speak um, Turkish, Arabic. Good question. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not so keen on the languages of uh, not so keen. Um, I'm not quite savvy on the languages of the Ottoman Empire. But um, yeah, so that's just a Uh, bit further. Oh, go ahead. Official languages of the Ottoman Empire were Ottoman Turkish, Persian, Arabic, and to some extent Greek, Chagatai, and French. I'm going to go with Turkish then. 
Yeah. But yeah, so just just a quick quick that's like six minutes. Um aside for exactly why the Armenians were trying to get more equity. I would too underneath all of that oppression. And oh yeah. So I mean you find historians that say like, oh no, under all this they lived in peace. And it's like no the Armenians weren't allowed to own weapons. That's that's not peace. That's terror. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, I can, it is peace because no one's them. fighting. But yeah, I can see how you confuse the two. But yeah, no, it's peace because there's no fighting. But um, it's kind of hard to fight when you have a population that can't own weapons. Mm-hmm. Some would say impossible. Yeah, others would say. It, like it, it's impossible at worst, really, really hard at best. Mm-hmm. You got a ninety-eight percent chance of losing here, kid, but you might get that two percent out. Yeah. And it's gonna cost you. Mm, difficult, difficult. <laughs> so. Uh, collectively, the audience said, but wait, what about those Hamidia that you mentioned? Let's get to that. Mm-hmm. So, as I mentioned, the Hamidia were made somewhere before 1890, probably right around 1890, Yeah, by Sultan Hamid. And Hamidia literally means belonging to Hamid. So they were his personal troops. Uh, they were Kurds who were responsible only to the Sultan. And they had fierce loyalty to the Sultan. Uh, they also were very well armed and had special uniforms. Does any of this sound familiar? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I think it had something to do with uh, some S's. Yeah, the black and tan uniforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, going a bit before that, the the black shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's history echoes a lot. I'm going back a little bit before that, uh, Praetorians. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, the the Hamidia were a thing. So, around 1890, I say around because some of these happened a bit before, some happened just a little bit after, but around 1890, you have three Armenian political parties that form in order to give Armenians a voice, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so each of these espoused self-defense as a core tenet to some degree. Uh, you have the Armenicon party. They're the ones that I have the least information about, but um, basically, yeah, they espouse self-defense as their core tenet, but only self-defense. Then you have the 
Hunchak Party, which again, I hope I'm pronouncing these words correctly. If I'm not, I'm sorry. Please correct me. Um, so they were socialist and they were formed by some Russians and some Armenians. But uh, they had this weird thing where they thought if they could take over the Ottoman Empire, it would spur a socialist revolution around the world. Mm. Kind of sort of typical for socialist things at the time. Yeah, a bit sketchy, a bit extreme. See how it works out for them. Yeah. And then you have the one with, and I am, I know I'm going to butcher this one. The Dashnak Sutun party. I know I butchered it. I'm sorry. But it's the Armenian Revolutionary Federation. Anytime a revolutionary comes into the name, you know there's going to be some violence, at least planned. Um, So yeah, they, while they did espouse self-defense, they also espoused revolution as it's in the name which means potentially acts of violence um whether that's for good or bad depends on the revolutionary federation but uh this group would uh, this group would go on to become the most controversial obviously with a name like that well, that and the fact that they're a nationalist and socialist political party. Yeah, it's... So, nationalism is the song and dance of the 20th century. Yep. And it's almost never good. But there are certain cases where I can understand why certain groups would want a nationalist organization. Yeah. But when you Unfortunate. nationalism with socialism. Yeah, that's also not good. Be one name that comes up. Yep. Yep. That being the National Socialist Party. Yeah. Although, not to get into that, they were only socialist in name, not policy. True. Thank you. Yeah. They were they were very good oh. at uh playing people for political gain please come at me with emails for that one please um i would love to have that fight yep yep and um probably wouldn't look too good uh trying to be in defense of them yeah so anyway um yeah 1890 uh with these political parties forming around that time it marked the the beginning of civil protests uh specifically speaking coming from the hunchak party and so these civic protests the civic protests are a good thing right but until they become riots yeah so here's the thing all these were very peaceful until they were met with resistance by police and soldiers in which case they turned violent pretty as is the case 
most of the time. Yeah, yeah. So... Let's send all these cops out here to make sure they don't become violent. Oh no, they became violent because the cops started it. Uh, yeah. Um, that's exactly what's happening here. Yep. Um, but so the civic protests still continued. Um, and by 1890, I just, I just oh, want go to ahead. make a quick note there that um, that thing about the cops starting it not always the case, but purely directed at what's happening right now in the story we're telling. Yes. So, anyway. in 1893, uh, there were Armenian activists who were placing placards on walls in various cities. And this is a really interesting point. They were asking Muslims to stand up to the Sultan. Basically, in a, hey, solidarity kind of platform. Mm-hmm. unfortunately like nothing is going to go right in this i just i just want to set everyone's expectations now if you're hoping for something good to happen don't um yeah so yeah instead of rebellion um muslims started reporting people to the police and um this led to arrests all across the empire. And I, I've said before how Abdul Hamid II was mentally unstable, right? I, I painted that portrait pretty well. So this Armenian activism only served to exacerbate his paranoia. So it just sent everything even further out there and this is um yeah fun so throughout the early 1890s sultan hamid began expanding and enlarging the hamidiyah and he sent them to various points around the empire but primarily his concern was sending them to armenia go figure yeah and in 1894 the hamidia would begin massacres against the armenian people throughout the country at times they would even incite riots so that they could claim self-defense when they were killing the armenians you weren't kidding when you said all of this would sound familiar. No, not at all. Um, so these these masks, I really hate to gloss over this, but there's there's too many. Um, but so these would go on until 1896. And they would cease only due to international outrage in both the Europe or in the Europe in both Europe and the United States. Huh, wonder what um, happened with all that. Yeah, uh, this is one of the weirdest points of this topic is because, you know, we've already mentioned a lot how, like, none of this is talked about in the modern era. At the time, 
this is the hot button issue, like almost globally. Hmm. Hamid the second was called the great assassin in the UK. And he was called uh, <laughs> the Sultan of blood in some other countries. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, no, it, there was so much so, vitriol going on for this guy. So here you got the uh, Islamic Bloody Mary. Yeah, essentially, that is what he is. And uh, right now, the whole world's going bad. Slap on the wrist. Bad. Anyway, moving on. Uh, la di da di da. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no like justice for this. Like, it's. Can I say it's the first account of slacktivism? Because I think that sounds a bit... Well, no, because... So all of these uh, individual people who are criticizing the Sultan for what he's doing are calling for their governments to take some action. Unfortunately, they never do, but uh, they're calling for their governments to take action. Uh, who's president at the time? Ah, uh, that's a good question. What year is this? 1890, 1894 is when they begin. 1896 is when they end. I'm not sure. Ah, it's an election year. Oh. Who was it that, uh... Who is the sitting president is the important one. Silence for waiting. Yeah, sorry. Um, The election itself is between William McKinley and William Jennings Bryan. Okay, so McKinley wins and then he gets assassinated. Yes, preceded by Grover Cleveland, who was president before him. Ah. So... And if you're American, you probably know that Grover Cleveland existed, and that's pretty much it. Yep. So, um, getting back to the topic at hand, though, um, to show how well or how much spoken of this was and why so much international outrage is what caused these massacres to cease... Mm. So the New York Times alone had a bunch of headlines, uh, not to name all of them, but quote, uh, or sorry, not quote, um, uh, the worst was not told, the Armenian atrocities, 8,000 butchered, the horrors of the Armenian massacres only just beginning to be realized by the world. Um, then, um, you have a first on September 10th of 1895 was the first, well, potentially the first use of the word Holocaust to describe a human rights disaster. Um, which is, again, from the New York Times, the headline, Another Armenian Holocaust. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, it's 
it's weird how much this stuff echoes with Germany in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. Um. God. So these would come to be known as the Hamidian massacres, named after the Sultan himself. And the casualties, the full casualties are unknown, but it would be either through like direct murder or famine. The casualties would be 100 to 300,000. That's 100,000 to 300,000, not 100 to 300,000. Yeah. Um, that's direct casualties. You also had 50,000 children who were orphaned. And according to one, at least one source, um, you also have 25,000 Assyrians who were killed in this. But again, that's only at least one source. It's only one source that's like fully like, yeah, okay. But so it's, I don't know if that's true. It's a weirdly odd aside to include. But crazy. either way, max 300,000 Armenians are massacred in these events over two years. Hmm. So, yeah, that's um, that's the base of the background info. Again, I I hate to gloss over those massacres, but there's there's too many of them to go in detail with every single one. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's the background info for the Armenian genocide. I will finishing up my research and my notes for the next episode where we can go over the rest of the background the genocide itself and the then to present denial of everything mm. uh, any thoughts Logan Yeah. It, so I knew the Armenian genocide happened, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize how extreme the similarities between it and the Holocaust, which we commonly refer to as the Holocaust. Yeah, and, and again... It's, it's freaking wild, man. Again, this isn't even getting into the genocide itself. This is the background info for the genocide. No, but the background, like, both involve National Socialism. Both involve, like, turning neighbors against each other. Both involve... Is... Yeah, it's... It's not Same story, it? different place. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a personal security force that only answers to me. Yeah. Wait... Are we talking about Hitler or are we talking about Hamid II? Which one was it? More people should know that name. Yeah. Don't worry. 
there's more names coming up that more people should know about. Mm. And um, actually, one of my favorite instances of revenge, too. Oh, really? Yeah. That I'm looking um, forward to. So, I mean, all of this is obviously going to end on a bad note. Like I said, yeah, if you're expecting yeah. a good ending, don't. No. There are some pl- there are some W's in here, but overall, this entire thing is a massive hell. Yep. Not just for the Armenian people, but for the world as a whole. That we can't identify that this is something that happened. Yeah. Hmm. Once again, welcome to the Behind the Massacres podcast. <laughs> Eventually, I'll cover a topic that's not so dark. Eventually. Which is going to suck because, like, okay. Shout out again to Nick. Um, Logan and I both know what you want us to cover, and I've said I'm going to cover it. Yep. And it's great because it's so, so much darker than (laughs) what I'm covering right now. So coming up on the Cognitive History Podcast, you have the continuation and conclusion of the Armenian Genocide. You have the Crusades. and Then after that, you have Mystery Topic, which is going to be... I don't want to say darker than both, but darker than both. Yeah, yep, yep. We'll get to sunshine and rainbows at some point. Yeah. So, um, I think we may have misnamed this show. well okay so to be fair the episodes on christianity haven't they weren't all bad they did have a good ending you're right you're right especially the discussion episode (laughs) yeah oh no but um yeah uh we're kind of just talking right now because it's really awkward it's as awkward to end this episode as it was to begin to begin it it is well anyway in two weeks on the genocidal history podcast oh my god no no we're not calling ourselves that (laughs) we'll have more discussion of national socialism and uh obviously more bodies oh um mm, yeah Mm. so many bodies yep um uh not not to uh spoil anything but do the comparisons continue into gas chambers i don't think they do no oh that's a relief but is well um I don't know if it's a relief quite frankly. Oh no. I I also don't really want to give away spoilers. No. 
No, let's not. Um. Okay, so I'm going to say now and at the beginning of the next episode. So one of the podcasts that I listen to um, is uh, the last podcast on the left. They're very humorous. Their humor is not for everyone, though, but they're a true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. So they have uh, a thing telling you when the uh, content is going to get really dark and gruesome and they call those their gold star episodes mm. they'll, they'll say like okay yeah I'm, uh, we're warning you right now we're going to be getting into gold star territory I propose that we come up with something similar um, now yeah. is not the time to do so but um, the next I, episode I, is I going some, to get gruesome I somewhat agree with that but I think in our case, we should probably make our Gold Star episodes the ones that don't involve dead people. Unrelated to natural causes. I mean... Because, look, I get where you're going, but with this podcast in particular, it's less often that it's not a Gold Star episode than it is... I mean, you're not wrong, but you know, should I just put a rainbow emoji in the title? Probably. <laughs> or we need right. to um, amend your intro and add an explicit content advisory. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, well, that's more for us to discuss. Um, at any rate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that is a good calling point for the day. I think so. You know, we can only make so many jokes at the end of such a dark episode. Oh, I could keep going. Please don't. Okay. But, um, at any rate... I've made it through an entire episode without making anyone, except maybe cops, and the Turks mad. Well, I mean... One of those I don't really care too much about. Same. And the other one still exists as an ethnic group, but... um. Oh, I was going the opposite direction with that, sorry. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, now we know where I go into things, um... I think it was pretty clear from the beginning that we do we do differ politically. Yeah. But um, um yeah, one of those I don't care about and the uh, you know what just both of those I don't care about. There we go. At, at least in the context of this episode. When it comes to politics and government. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Turkish people on the other hand, I mean, I got no problem with y'all. Yeah, no, it's, no, I mean, no, it's no. just like, I don't hate North Korean people, I hate the North Korean government. Exactly. Exactly. Y'all's government, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna leave it there. Uh, yeah. I work with cops on a regular basis. I'm not going to say all cops are bad. No. No, they're not. But... But and, I do think uh, there need to be uh, more answers for when bad cops do bad things. 
more training, I agree with completely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, My police training should be longer than my boot camp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, um, before we get way too political with our conversation. Yep. um, Yeah. Uh, In spite of that terrible episode um, and the terrible one to come, uh, I hope everyone is looking forward to listening to next week. And I hope everyone found this episode to be informative. Yeah. Um, have a good rest of the weekend week whenever I post this episode. I've been Absolutely. pretty inconsistent with that. Um, email us. Yes. Um, Cognitive History Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook. At Cognitive History. Still can't get the username. Still don't know why. Still trying for it. Zuckerberg hates us. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, oh, and shout out requests, to... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, if you have any requests for episodes to come that don't involve massacres or do, we're all ears. Yeah. See, this is a reverse episode. You can tell because like, I'm, you can tell I'm mentally stressed because I'm not doing the regular outro. Yeah, I had to yeah. leave it up to Logan. You know what's um, bad when... I do stuff. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Thailand, though. Yeah. Welcome, Thailand. Uh, y'all came out of nowhere and are now our number three most uh, populous country for listeners. Like, Glad to have you. I-, I saw y'all coming in on Wednesday, and then by Friday, y'all were at the number three spot. So wild man yeah y'all have unseated france (laughs) and we haven't even talked about thailand yet no we haven't but come on france don't wave the white flag yet come on come on oh my god no logan Logan, why You I had were to doing such a break. You were you were doing so well. <laughs> oh, oh come on, God. there were a thousand jokes I could have made about Thailand and I didn't. Don't. I won't. I feel like Don't. France and Turkey is enough for this episode. Okay. I love, I love France. I'm not gonna eat a snail. Sorry. Not gonna do it. <clears throat> Okay, well, before we dig ourselves in the hole any deeper, email us, follow us on Facebook, share us with your friends, email us a suggestion. If you want a shout out, we're fine with that. Yep. Um, shout out again to Nick. He keeps getting yeah. shout outs. Yeah. All of them. Literally 100% of the shout outs so far. Yep. Yep. You should feel special, Nick. <laughs> but um, yeah, at any rate. We will catch you in the next one, and I hope you have a wonderful time until then. Y'all come back now, you hear? Yep. Have a good outro music. Boom.